I'm gonna steal the Declaration of Independence. I'd like to take his his face off. Oh, no, not the beat! A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L. I was a little drunk. Plus, I was horny. Welcome back to Cage Old Question, where we ask, is Nicolas Cage the greatest actor alive? I'm Artoon, and this is my wife-to-be, Christina. Hello. And on this show, we watch the entire film catalog of Nicolas Cage in chronological order, working our way through 40 years of cinema. As a disclaimer, this is a personal podcast not affiliated with any other third parties, and the opinions expressed herein are strictly our own. For today's episode, we are reviewing the 1986 film Peggy Sue Got Married, and for the first time on the pod, we have a very special guest, Mr. Teddy Steinkellner. Hi, friends. I'm so excited to be here. Long time. First time, long time, as they say. Yes. Uh, Teddy is an author and screenwriter. He's the author of three coming-of-age novels, Trash Can Days, Trash Can Nights, and Two Roads From Here. He's also written and developed TV series for Disney and Netflix. He's a he's a big shot. He's a head on show. <laughs> and when he went this... to Stanford. He went to Stanford. Oh he's so smart. No. That's what I tell everybody. You Christina. guys went to... Tufts, the Stanford of the East, the everyone Stanford knows. Yeah, but we get to bully says, you, so <laughs> yeah. I'm not on top. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm, thank you. I'm happy to talk about my Stanford experience if you want. Um, no, I'm so excited to be here. You know, before my college days, the summer I turned 16 years old, three separate people came up to me and said, I look like Nicolas Cage. I know this is an audio-only format, so for those of you who don't know me, I guess the forehead and the nose, maybe slightly. There's sort of like a Roman centurion thing happening. I'm were not you, sure. Were you ripped? Were you shredded? No, 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 no. <laughs> I was shrivel cage. I was, I was Brad's bud. Has he ever been skinny? I guess not. I will say, uh, pretty much by Valley Girl, he was ripped. It seems he's been big. Pretty and you've seen the, the Superman picture, right? When he was going to be in the Superman. No, suit? I haven't. But I do know. I do know that he that was... could be a lost episode. Maybe, maybe when I come back for my inevitable future appearance, we'll do the Superman Returns, never filmed, never filmed. Nicholas Cage, uh, Nick screen Cage. But yeah, I've been physically compared to Nick Cage. Um, long been one of my favorite actors. I think he just might be the greatest actor alive. So you know, but no, yeah, oh, to, an, to potentially answer the cage old question. But yeah, oh, I'm stoked. We will definitely get into it. So let's so let's do a little bit about the movie. This was released October 10th, 1986. Directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Screenplay written by Jerry Leichtling and Arlene Sarner. I think they're a writing team as well. And the film. I think they're a married couple. They're a married couple. There you go. Right. Look. Couples should do artistic endeavors together. You heard it here yes. first. Yeah. Folks. Teddy writes with his wife, Courtney. She also went to Stanford. That's... She's very smart. <laughs> oh my God, Christina. <laughs> I can't help it if it's true. Again. Yeah. That's true. Uh, but no, these these youngins aren't in college yet. This is a high school movie, and the film stars mm-hmm. Kathleen Turner as Peggy Sue, who is reluctant to go to her 25th high school reunion. She's divorcing her infidel husband, Randy, played by the one and only Nicolas Cage, when she wins Reunion Queen. She faints. Well, no, his name's Charlie. Charlie. Did I, what did I say? His name's definitely Charlie. <laughs> Crazy did I say Charlie. Randy? 
Crazy Charlie. Yeah. Excuse me. Charlie. Yeah. Uh, my bad. My bad. So she. Yes, Was that she, a test? Is that a test to see if I deserve to be on here? You got it. Did you, I, that you, I actually you, watched you, the movie? You caught, you caught me. Yeah. You caught me. That was like 10th grade reading quiz. Okay. <laughs> wow. Uh, so, yeah. So, Charlie. And she wins Reunion Queen. She hyperventilates. She faints. And she goes back in time to when she was 18 and a senior. But only she remembers the future. She navigates this whole world. There's tons of side characters here, like Jim Carrey playing uh, one of Nick Cage's friends. You have a Walter young... Walter Getz. You have Walter Getz. You have... Whatever so, Walter wants. Whatever Walter Wal- Getz. Oh, my God. He was great. Oh, we'll get into yeah. it. Uh, we'll get yeah. into it. We have Sophie, a young Sofia Coppola here playing a uh, young sister, Nancy. Uh, Helen Hunt is in this as Beth Bodell. Lots. There's a lot of character actors here. Like, it's populated with, like, kind of great character performances throughout uh but let's see what we thought of the movie christina why don't you tell us a little bit about what you thought so spoilers ahead so if you haven't seen the movie we're going to be spoiling it on this podcast now's your chance to pause and watch it um but spoilers ahead i woke up in a sweat in the middle of the night a little bit after we watched this thinking to myself it's 17 again it's 17 again it's the movie 17 again and i didn't think of it at all while we were watching it and now it's all i can think of um (laughs) except this version of 17 again was nominated for three oscars three academy (laughs) awards imagine now think to yourself i i when i saw 17 again in theaters i was openly (laughs) sobbing in the theater um, during the scene when Zac Efron is like there for his wife or they're supposed to be like getting divorced he like maybe reads a letter to her I was sobbing I was sobbing um, and that like I said was not nominated for any Oscars and well, this well okay my, to, well I'll just say my one of my main issues with this movie to bring it back to Peggy Sue Got Married is um, <laughs> the scene where Peggy and Crazy Charlie are like breaking up I think that should be a really sad, moving scene. And Nicolas Cage is like, I'm going to see if I can ruin this in every way possible. <laughs> I, I disagree. And I, fully, I fully disagree. I, I know, fully because you're wrong. Because you're wrong. But before we, I have to hear from you, I'd like to hear from Teddy. And yes, how and I'm going to circle back it, to the 17 Papa. again plot. Sure, sure, Ooh. sure. Circle Leave back. Leave it to old oh, Teddy to cast the deciding vote on if this is a good movie. <laughs> well... <laughs> Speaking of Seventeen again, you know, um, I, I watching this unlocked a memory, which is that uh, when I was in high school, my then girlfriend, her mom was a film professor at UCSB, the Stanford of the Central Coast, and um, shout out to my parents, Gauchos yeah, oh, alums. go Gauchos, yeah. <laughs> um, and my then girlfriend's mom. This was her favorite movie, and I just remember hearing about it a lot. And so Peggy Sue got married. It's like, I don't know, when you're a kid and you see a movie at Blockbuster and you never watch it, but it just, like, mm-hmm. the cover art looms large in your head. I love the cover art for this movie. Oh, it's so, so good. Cool. I've always, yeah, so I just, I love the big keyhole that looks like, you know, Mario, like old Mario. I just love it. And uh, so always have had a level of intrigue. Nick Cage, um, about a month ago, I came down with a little disease you guys might have heard of <laughs> called COVID-19. <laughs> When I'm sick, I love to watch rom-coms or just things that'll make me, you know, that'll just catch me in those feels because it's like I'm already vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And so I put this I on. I like violent movies. I like to see yeah. that I'm feeling vulnerable. <laughs> but you chose, uh, you chose Peggy Sue Got Married. Put it on. I, which is a violent movie in, in many ways, but we'll get to that. <laughs> but oh I mean, this movie does have a near 
pillow suffocation smother that is literally never addressed. It's yep, yep. We will address it, but um, <laughs> I'm watching this a month ago. Hey, before I'm even asked on the pod, just a completely diegetic <laughs> choice of a Nick Cage movie. And uh, I got to say, it made my COVID worse. Uh, this was <laughs> this movie was an actual fever dream. It's kind of like Christine waking up, Christina yes. waking up in a cold sweat. Like I woke, I, I was hot. I was flushed. I had to watch it in two sittings. Um, <laughs> And I, it's not that I dislike the movie. It's it's not that I like the movie. I think it has so many disparate, strange elements, many of which individually I do like. But together, they feel so garbled and weird to me. I was trying to think, Artun, you're the, uh, you're the culinary expert here. I was trying to think of, like, is there a food equivalent? Because the first well, thing I thought of was pa- paella, but I love paella. So what's, like, a bad paella? I, I, th- I think you're there's. I think, it's like a, oh, if, you make a, if, you make a, if you make a sandwich with too many contrasting flavors, no, all the flavors on their own are good. It's that time that you made chocolate chip cookies, but you put cinnamon in them, too. And it's like, why'd you put this no, cinnamon in No, that was good. Mm-hmm. No, actually, that's, that's a great Nicolas example. Cage that's a great example, Steen. In the chocolate chip <laughs> of these movies, that's a, that's where you're a like, great you example. add a perfectly good movie that you added cinnamon to for no reason. And I liked those cookies. So I think this is actually a perfect example. <laughs> yeah, they I was like, weird. Everyone cinnamon... who tried them was like, oh, there's cinnamon in it. It was you and Dorian. <laughs> Who's everyone? It's you and Dorian. You took them to some, like, co-workers, too, and they were like, no, but no, no, no. Unfortunately for you are our tune christina dorian is everyone and that's kind of the story of your life i i i want to say a couple of things i want to address i want to address a few points go off king first i do i do think this movie for people like people in the 80s who were like you know teenagers or becoming young adults in the 80s when this movie first came out I do think boomers. The boomers. Boomers are like no, Gen X. No, Gen X and boomers. Gen Xers. But it, but it's I, about boomers. It, I guess it's, wait. But, oh only God! Say, now we're Christina, getting into this. I, Christina, God, your parents. Your parents love this movie, right? Stop! I want to. I want to talk about my parents. I want to talk about my parents. I want to say. I want to orient us. So I was thinking about this. I was doing the math because. Um, so my mom, sorry, I'm going to share some personal information of my family. I'm sorry. I don't think you're legally really supposed to do this, but they'll Hell like yeah, let's go. Me. Let's go, though. Come on. So my mom is born um, in 1963. And so in 1986, when this movie comes out, she's a 23-year-old. So she's mm. just gone through high school. So she's definitely, like, watching this movie with the spirit of, like, you're probably relating to the high school character. I'm watching this movie and I'm thinking of her as my mom and I'm the mom like like I'm like she's the mom and but I associate her as the mom in the in her 40s experience not as the teenager necessarily though I am sort of like oh this is my mom going back to the past but I was thinking about it and you know who was actually 17 in 1960 is my grandma (gasps) her mom because my grandma had my mom when she was 20 so she was like, so she just a couple years before that was a senior in high school. So like orienting again Nicolas Cage through the generations and his media of like this story more accurately would be about my grandma and her mom, but it's viewed in theater by my mom around that age. Maybe my grandma was seeing it too. I don't know. I don't feel like she would love this movie. But maybe this is low key a grandma movie though. Maybe, at the end. Mm-hmm. Maybe is yeah, yeah. yeah. touching scene and then, but then now i'm watching it and i'm like 17 again 
so so here's 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 my here's my issue with this 17 again uh oh. comparison and i want to it's actually something i, I want to talk about with both of you first of all yeah 17 again uh zach afron slash chandler bing do not uh yeah. go back to the past they matthew just perry is his matthew perry name. that's right that's right matthew perry <laughs> They don't go back to the past. They oh, that's true. They stay in he their gets current a timeline. Chance at high school, right, right, right. And that is like, as far as that movie goes, that supposedly really happens. Like, that's not like a dream or a like fantasy. Or I guess it's like fantasy. So it's like good. magical. It's a magical so spell good. that the yeah. whirlpool in the river. I'm trying to remember seventeen again. I think he falls in a river whirlpool and he gets sucked in, and then he wakes up as Zac Efron. Am I crazy? Isn't that what happened in 17 again? Teddy, can you back me up here? I thought that was Jennifer's body. I don't remember. I don't know. No, there's no whirlpool. There's no whirlpool river. It's like he's like on the bridge. Uh, Maybe he's suicidal. I don't really remember. But (gasps) this is this is is in which in which Teddy realizes that his friends. Nicholas Cage podcast is actually a Zac Efron podcast it's, in disguise. <laughs> but all this to say, it's very, it's like magical. Like it's, it's an actual spell. It's really happening. And the movie doesn't right. play around. Cause also like Matthew Perry's missing during all of this. Whereas in Peggy Sue got married. And this is a question I have. Does this really happen? Does she go back to the past or is this all in her head? Is this all in her head when she faints and she is just imagining being well, as old as she was? in 1950s and this is kind of where i go back to my you know artoon's bad cookies analogy (laughs) just kidding i I probably would have liked those cookies but and and i and i think cinnamon in a cookie is like you know no it's like it's like slightly daring this all right all right no but this was like this was like if you put cucumbers in the cookies or something like like there was just a bunch of trash like I, i guess my point is like I don't think Francis Ford Coppola and the makers of this movie, I don't know if they really knew the answer to this question you're asking, Artoon. Like, mm-hmm. yes, there are a couple little tidbits at the end, like the fact that the book um, is dedicated to Peggy Sue on a starry night. Like, things like that seem to suggest that it really happened. She really went back and kind of butterfly affected. I hate that they you know, do that. Kind book. of Marty McFly. Yeah. No, I, and there's if- those little things. I, I just think there was the so much point, Teddy. there was so much hodgepodge it was like wait, I wrote this down the movie can't decide if it's sad if it's weird if it's cynical yeah. or nostalgic it was just like a cacophony of vibes and if that's what you're looking for this is the movie for you it was like there's three <laughs> different guys with three different but I don't need a I'm... movie to have structure or a clear point of view per se mm-hmm. but this was um it was muddled and and you guys keep bringing up seventeen again and we can talk about that as much as you want you know? <laughs> but I kept coming back to Back to the Future which came out I yeah, think the yeah. year before this yes yes and yes. unfortunately that is just the eighties fifties the going back there's so much mm-hmm. in common the kind of seeing your family from a different um, angle a different chronological point of view yeah. This movie just suffers by comparison to that. That's a five-star all-time classic. This was just a what-are-we-doing-here kind of. I will agree, especially with them coming out just like one year apart, that if I was to put on, I'm like, what's my favorite 80s back to 50s movie? It's not going to be Peggy Sue. (laughs) As much as I enjoyed it, I will still say, I enjoyed it, I had a good time, but I would put Back to the Future on every single time, which, if I'm not mistaken, Teddy, we watched for your birthday. 
one yeah. one year in theaters uh, we braved in theaters so we good. braved we braved and then COVID. after that was the first yeah. time that i watched the part three of it which i love is one of my is probably my favorite installment uh. of the series but um i that tracks <laughs> <laughs> I Peggy Sue got married makes me ready to commit to Francis Ford Coppola as a terrible director. He got what? lucky with The Godfather. Let me tell you, I, I I haven't seen Apocalypse Now, so maybe there's something else going oh on. Oh my god! But but like he he's all over the place. He seems to have zero control over his set. Zero other than like being able to slam through this movie. That's an interesting. But okay. like he doesn't have control over over Nicolas Cage. Like. Like hearing Kathleen Turner go to him being like, You're gonna let him make this choice, but she doesn't get to speak up and have a voice in it. Like, it sounds like this guy doesn't know what he's doing, doesn't appreciate that he has a female driven, like romantic dramedy on his hands. Right. He's letting his nephew run like, roughshod over yeah, the entire operation. I mean, yeah, I'm not gonna agree with you that he's movie terrible. after movie, he's like, Fine, I wouldn't let I wouldn't let my nephew into the godfather, so I'll let him ruin anything else. No. Like there's I, no way he's a terrible director. Like he did make the Godfather one and two <laughs> and the conversation in Apocalypse Now and Bram Stoker's Dracula, which is like pretty dang good too. And but Rumblefish, which I Oh and really Cotton liked. Club. And Cotton Club. Club. But not that good. But he, uh, good. All right. he definitely but falls so off a cliff. No, no, he yeah. does Jack, that one with Robin Williams, where he's like a five-year-old who's like a 50-year-old. Like he, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like like he he loses the plot for sure, and now he's basically runs a winery, and that's great. But um, this movie is just... Which I challenge I think, him to come back. Prove me wrong. I think where I, where I will agree with you, Steen, is like, just the muddledness and the not controlling set is interesting. I feel like we the behind the scenes of this movie feels really relevant. It's right? crazy. The behind the scenes of this movie to give everyone like a little yeah, I'll tell give me a more little, about it. I'll, I don't know I'll if give I a know. Little, I'll give it a little taste of it. Uh, a lot of people were upset with Nicolas Cage for this movie. Every choice <laughs> he was making, he I think this is the first time. This is third movie out of eight movies that he's done so far that he's doing with his uncle. But again, he's still at this point sensitive about not wanting nepotism to carry him towards, you know, being like, you're only in this movie because you're a Coppola. Uh, look around you. There's other Coppolas. Your <laughs> your cousin's here. Your uncle's here. Uh, but to, I think, combat that, he was like, I'm basically going to make every single choice against my uncle. And so that's why he mm-hmm. has fake teeth in this. That's why he has bleached blonde hair. It's why he talks like Pokey uh, from the from, from Gumby from the Gumby show. You made uh, my one. <laughs> Teddy, that, that was, was great. so good. That was great. Oh my god. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Christina. <laughs> give give us your best uh, Nicolas Cage voice in in this. No, I can't. Teddy yeah, just did such yeah. a good one, and all I want to do. <laughs> well, he does. I I, I guess I'll, he does. Oh boy, just cherish me. <laughs> um, All right, Artun. But he bring, makes bring us home, Artun. Um, I did it in the beginning. I, I started out. I started it out. Like, <laughs> no, that was a Nick Cage impression. That was not a Nick Cage as Pokey impression. He's like, I can't even do it. I'm just like. <laughs> You're choking. I'm choking. I'm choking. choking. God, this is embarrassing. And I'm You're supposedly playing. That is. I mean, <laughs> that that line is incredible. I mean, that might be one of the most iconic. But that was lines. like a that was like a Tim Robinson moment. But, and the okay. whole movie was not like that. So like, so here's where I. It was sad, and then it was so goofy. I think goofy. Yeah. Okay. And it's 
such a it's such an amazing moment that she is having like she's like like this you you enjoying Nicolas Cage's performance to me is misogynistic. Oh my god. <laughs> to me? No because I, I, as, I no, 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 no don't talk don't talk. It's reading as you are unable to empathize with the female protagonist here of like that scene in particular she's having an unbelievable like moment of the soul where she's like oh my god the youngest most beautiful version of the man that I loved and we could have sex right now in the car and like I'm young and virile whatever and and then he's being outrageous he's in a totally he's in a Tim Robinson sketch like he's not the scene partner she deserves Here, here's what I all right, here's, my, here's my yeah, here's alright alright Artoon here's my retort you're down here. five touchdowns there's ten minutes left in the game what are you here's, gonna do here's what I'm saying I think Kathleen Turner is the best the best part of this movie. I don't think Nicolas Cage yes. is the best part of this movie. Yeah. Kathleen Turner absolutely drives this movie, and I think it works as much as it does because of her. Yes. But to go back to whether I think this is real or not, when why I don't like that the book at the end is dedicated to her, because that the book dedication is the only part that makes you think, oh, she actually went back in time and changed things. Yeah, it tilts the scales. It tilts the scales, but... If I go back to the interpretation that this is all in her head, I've recently been a substitute teacher at a high school and a middle school. And what I realized the most, going back as an adult to a high school, is how young and stupid the kids are. In a good mm-hmm. way, in a good way. I'm and not the saying, boys in particular. And the boys in particular. Whereas when you were, I remember when I was a, I'm thinking to myself when I was a freshman or a sophomore, right? I thought the seniors were the coolest, oldest, like, most amazing people in the world. Like you really don't idolize anyone as much as a senior when you're a freshman. Mm -hmm. But going back as an adult, you realize that those cool old seniors are just like weird children that are like weird, nasally (laughs) fucked up children who don't really, who aren't that like big and bold yet. Like they're still kids. And so I think her going back and seeing Nicolas Cage through the eyes of an adult as a as a teenager herself, she was like, wow, this guy's everything. He's singing. And we'll get into the singing, which is maybe my one of my favorite scenes. Yeah. Um, but she's now realizing, my God, this guy's just a kid. He's just a weird kid. And that's all he that's is. He has a the cool meta, car. That's where the meta life imitates art, art, art imitates life thing comes in. Because Nicolas Cage was acting like a high school senior on set, by all accounts. Because not only was he doing the pokey voice, <laughs> but... Um, I guess Kathleen Turner was like, this was like more just Wikipedia cursory research, but she was incredibly frustrated. I mean, yeah, she delivers like a knockout. She was nominated for an Oscar for this. Absolutely deserved deserved it. Her sad eyes, her just desperateness, but also desperation. But the fact that she was also like smiling and having fun yeah constantly through this movie oh, when she gets drunk when, she when she's at home and she's like i so needed a drink God. it's been a hard day dad yeah. <laughs> she drinks when she sings the my country tis of thee in class <gasps> it's like, so good there's, there's some great there's some great moments, moments here. Heart. and yeah. then nick cage is just tormenting her so then she said um she later said in an interview that he had gotten two duis on set and what was it? Something with a chihuahua? He stole, stole a chihuahua. A stole a chihuahua. He stole a chihuahua. <laughs> and then he counter. He like sued her for... Defamation. Uh, libel defamation. And, or defamation. Defamation. Yeah. And won. Yes. Yeah. And what? Like, and got a public admission that she I don't was, know what to do was, with any of this information. I, I don't know what to do with I don't that. know. But he did... He did... 
I'm not trying to be the big Nicolas Cage defender, but I kind of am. No, no, no. I am. I'm being his public defender here. Uh, he did donate the money. He won in that settlement, I believe, to a That's charity. Tight. So I That's think tight. it was basically, he wasn't like, I'm doing this for money. He's like, clear my name. No. Uh, well, yeah, wanna... you have to. You have to. Yeah. I wouldn't mind. Yeah, just, I. so first off, uh, as a nepotist myself, you know, my parents are, are a screenwriting team. Speaking of collaborative just... Uh, writing married people. I was waiting and, for you to bring it up. <laughs> oh, hey, it's relevant. Let's hey, let's put all the cards on the table. No, so I grew up in that, and like even kind of like in the school, like high school level, like my dad was um, our improv coach in high school. Like he coached the improv team, so kind of that Francis Ford, Nikki Coppola yes. relationship. Yeah. And I definitely could sense at times within me the urge to take advantage of the fact that this was my dad, to push back a little, to mm-hmm. bust his balls a little. And I never went full pokey voice, but there are probably <laughs> times I kind of went more pokey voice than I should have, if you mm-hmm. will. Sure. So I can really um, relate to Nick Cage's instinct there. So I, it's a tough thing because it's clear that he's kind of playing out his own like Freudian psycho mm-hmm. family drama. And the other thing is, you know, that is... That is ultimately why you two made this podcast. It's because of the acting choices that Nicholas yes. makes. Not only the roles he chooses, but the, the way he chooses to play them. And so while I do feel like he basically tanks this movie. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, it's also a weird... It, I don't think it would have been so much better with a more typical performance. I do think it's a weird movie regardless. And what I really think is that this almost to me feels like a rough draft of Nick Cage pushing the envelope like ultimately why i love him is because he's not george clooney like yes he is he will he will go for it and he will get point. an a plus plus or he will get an f minus minus yeah and this I is was probably <laughs> closer bitching to the latter, about ryan gosling the earlier day and like you saying <laughs> that nick cage is not george clooney is now giving me more an appreciation for nick cage like doing horrible stuff because yeah, Ryan Gosling take, plays it way. safe, and I am so contemptuous <laughs> yeah. of him. I'm like, that, was that a, guy. That was a take back. This is when I was in college. There was this movie, which you guys will get to, Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New oh, Orleans. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've, 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 seen, is, I've seen yeah. it on Letterboxd. Looking rough. I will be returning. I will be returning for that episode. And uh, there was a big New York Times article that came out. Uh, when it came out, that was basically just like, Everyone hates on Nick Cage, but ultimately he's way more interesting than, than Clooney. And I think that is like the thesis that you have to yes. approach his career from. So in, from a career perspective, this is him trying something out, failing, but maybe learning lessons that he's going to later apply to something like, I don't know, Vampire's Kiss or Which whatever. Which I'm so excited about. Which I'm so excited about. Teddy, I'm... Because I feel like it is... I know you want to talk... Or dude, but it's, I feel like it is a fail. And I feel like the thing about it too is that for me, all it does is hammer home that you're just in this movie because you're a Coppola. Like for someone who's mm-hmm. like, I want to get away from it mm-hmm. and try my own thing and create my own image. And I like that you're pointing out in the long term it does work. But in the moment, I'm like, you're just in this movie because you're a Coppola and you made sure we all knew about it by acting like a big stinker about well, it. And even Jim Carrey is giving a heightened performance that is certainly not, you know... Yeah. That's, <laughs> two, that's the other reason why I think Coppola, Francis Ford neck. Coppola is not very good because I think he underutilizes Jim Carrey. Absolutely. But Arjun has been trying to talk. I, I, I mean, the, yes. uh, at this point, Jim Carrey, we know him to be famous, but I think also at this point, like he's just started out 
coming into movies. I think he's. This is his Rufus moment. This is this is this his is Rufus his, moment. We're not even this close. This is his bellboy on Stumptown moment. Exactly. We're not even close to like the Mask or Ace Ventura or any of the big ones. Um, but I wanted to talk about. I agree. Thank you so much for saying that, Teddy. Because I do think what Nicolas Cage is trying to do is push the boundaries of acting. There's a great, mm-hmm. uh, and I sent both of you this, a clip of him on the Dick, Dick Cavett show. This is his first ever TV appearance as himself. Um, he's done interviews before before this for other movies, but this is his first American television, American television appearance. And on it, he says uh, about art and about acting, like Picasso can draw his wife with spikes out of her head and her mouth touching the floor, but how come acting has to be one way? Why can't, like, as an actor, you try things that look more like Picasso's Oh my God, Christina's rolling her eyes. She because you can do that. It. You have to all be on the same page about it. You right. can do, I was Film in Hamlet Machine in college. I've done the wiggling around. I've done weird voices, but it's not fair to be like, why can't I do whatever kind of acting I want when everyone else is trying to do naturalism I, right I, now? I, That's in, in BS. The mo- in the most collaborative of, of mediums, film. The thing is, is yes, the thing is, is God, I love well, when you said things like collaborative <laughs> mediums, and you said something like disparate elements. I was like, yes, tell me the film. <laughs> I, 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 I appreciate it. I appreciate that he's pushing the boundaries of acting, and I also, I want to reiterate, it's you're a little I, bastard too, and you want to play around and push the boundaries and not be limited I, by what I everyone do, else and is I, doing. And I think I, and I think you can excel doing that. But I also, I want to go back. I don't think his voice here breaks the movie. I think it makes it more interesting, and I enjoy it. And I think what what it is, I think, so there's one big scene towards the end that's supposed to be the emotional scene, uh, the most emotional scene of the movie, where uh, he, this is where Teddy was talking about the pillow suffocation scene. So after, <laughs> <laughs> after Peggy. Never addressed, never, never explained. Never addressed, never explained. So Peggy Sue, in her, when she goes back in time, and she's now, uh, you know, a 40-year-old in an 18-year-old's body, uh, she... Do you know what the the poetry man's name is? Uh, do you have that, um, Teddy? You have that up? That commie beatnik? The commie In my beatnik? head, he's just Jack Kerouac. Yes, it's uh, basically yeah. Jack Kerouac, where but he says... It's the guy who plays Benny in The Mummy. Wow. That's, That's him. him? Wow. He hey, O'Connell, looks to me like you forgot the horses. <laughs> Her he... Benny, looks to me like you're on the wrong side of the river. He... That guy is Benny from The Mummy. He His has... name is... Michael Fitzsimmons. Michael Fitzsimmons, that's right. Kevin J. O'Connor is Yes, yes. Michael Fitzsimmons. He has also one of the greatest lines in this movie when he says, No more jello for me, Mom! (laughs) I actually love all the scenes with his character. To me, that's where the movie finds its footing is those beatings. I I really love those I love when they're high. I love when he asks her, So what's your scene, Miss Majorette? It's so cute. I was... Tried to bring this up with Christina and she was not really having it. So I want to bring it up with you, Teddy. Is it at all oh, yeah. weird to you that a 42-year-old mind in an 18-year-old's body is having sex with another oh. 18-year-old? Does any of that rub oh, you the wrong we're way? We're back to the licorice pizza debate we're back to the- <laughs> from a few months ago. Does any of Got that it. rub you the wrong way a little bit? Because if the genders were reversed... <laughs> uh, I mean, if the genders were reversed, we'd have a conniption. <laughs> yeah. Um... I have to say one thing this movie does pretty well, and I think it it's a choice it makes early, a pretty intentional one probably, with Kathleen Turner, Peggy Sue, wearing that dress, wearing her old prom dress back to the high school reunion, and it's this 
really shiny xenon looking thing i think it's very cool that kind of collapses early the dis- oh and they have the fact that with her and Helen Hunt, who already looks like she's 48, even uh-huh. back in yes. the 80s. Yeah. The sort of, which one's the mother, which one's the daughter. This movie seems to sort of collapse time across generations, where I don't think anyone in this movie is 40 or 18. Because yes. they all look kind of young when they're at the reunion. They all look kind of old in high school. I'm not getting those, you know, Grease vibes, those, those <laughs> Dear Evan Hansen vibes where I'm squeaked yeah. out. Like, I'm just in it with them. And... That is, I mean, the dreamlike element of the movie, I think it should have committed to that fully because that's what it is. And so anytime it tries to be other stuff that's not just this hazy fever dream, um, like we talked about with the uh, with the book at the end where it's like, oh, did this actually happen? Like, I'm not into uh, that. Like, I, I think it book. probably should have been a dream, but maybe you don't have to decide one way or another. And I don't think... I think really, with all the issues we're talking about, it's Francis Ford Coppola. Like he is the guy at the end of the day. He is the the buck stops here man. Fair. Nick Nick Cage. Like it's the uncle's fault. It's not really the nephew's fault. If we had to put it on one person, it's probably both of them. But Francis Ford didn't really. I don't think he had a sense of what he wanted to say with this movie beyond. Here's some cool ideas. Here's some cool '50s stuff. I don't. Think I mean, he didn't. There's like a to, guiding light. To be fair, he didn't want to do this movie. He was. It seemed. <laughs> it seemed for. He wanted to make some money. I well, I I don't. I just keep seeing this pop up everywhere I look. But it goes, for all of the financial troubles, he had to do another movie. And I'm like, what's going on with this guy in the '80s? Because that's every movie he's done in the '80s seems like to get out of another financial sinkhole. <laughs> he has to direct a movie that he doesn't want I think to direct. He was always like developing yeah. weird tech. He was like up in the bay. I think he was kind of like a less successful George Lucas. I in think many he ways. yes, because he wanted to do, to do a his own of stuff operation. Like that. Yeah, yeah. And then the winery ended up making a ton of money later. Yeah. But um, not yet. We got to address Sophia at some point. Oh, I want it. Yeah. Things I still want to address. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah, yeah I want to. Yeah. I want to list three things I still want to address. So hopefully we can Let's go through it. them. I would love to talk about Sophia, uh, as as Nancy. Uh, I would love to talk about the singing. Our yes. our like doo-wop, uh, or is it a quad wop? For or I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it is when four people are singing. Um, and a barbershop quartet. A barbershop quartet. Um, and then I also wanted to talk about, and we can maybe do this briefly. I thought the makeup to make people look 40 looked great because we know what Nicolas Cage looks like at 42. And they did a really good job making him look like he's 42 now knowing what he's supposed to look like. So yeah. a quick kudos to the makeup team. Because uh, I was like, oh my God, this is exactly him. He looks haggard. He looks old. His hair's thinning. It's like a little up top. <laughs> like it looked exactly like he does in his 40s. Yeah. Um, but okay, so Sophia. Let's talk about Sophia. Well, before we launch back into your little table of contents, let's have a word from our sponsor. Marcus Hunter wants to hype up our main man, Artoon. So why don't you go ahead and follow Artoon on Instagram at Artoon Cartoon. Thank you, sponsor Marcus. We love you. Keep listening. Keep giving us a little bit of your money. So tell us about Sophia so if I, Wait, if I buy you guys a sandwich or something, am I a sponsor? No, you have to be a sponsor to the podcast. You can't just, you can buy us a sandwich, but you have to, you have to go through the official channels. We'll do. You All can't. Right. I'm on it. It's not just... But um, and let us know if you want to rent the boy in blue because that's our other money making endeavor. Yes, well, no, it's it's <laughs> oh, right. there's no they, there's no money. Let us know you if don't you need, want to rent it and return it late. You don't. There's no no no. The rental the rental is free. It is if you return it 
the late the fees. late fee was <laughs> when the money comes okay. in. That's what I've said three times now, Arjun. God damn it. Tell me about Sophia Coppola. Talk to us about Sophia, Teddy. You uh, tell well, me. I don't oh, know. yeah, Teddy. I, there's not even, I don't have Doesn't she have the little mustache? She's so cute. She's a perfect little, she's got like the little preteen mustache when she comes in. She's in like her gangly, like, like Girl Scout uniform. Like, like she is so heckin' cute. Not gonna um, comment on the mustache. <laughs> I think it's nice. I love when there's like, I don't, in, like preteen flaws. You didn't see it? Because she has it when she's the other little sister too, doesn't she? Or maybe not. Well, I, she's like famous, she's famous for having tanked The Godfather 3 with her bad acting. I love her in The Godfather 3, so I'll just say a shout out. I, I, as a teen, did a little screen grab of her holding her dad and I was like, yes, I see myself in this character, so. uh, That's so tight. That's so tight. I felt like in this, for all the guff she gets for Godfather 3, she was even worse in this movie. Oh my! She, she, she is being yes, fed. Daddy. She is being fed her lines phonetically. She's, you know, like the little rascals when it sounds like they just put peanut butter in their mouths and like had them make sounds. Yes, that's what her acting is like in this movie. I wow. could not believe it. Oh my god! It was borderline this unprofessional. So Teddy it was this so is crazy because I was watching it and I was like, this is so realistic. <laughs> yeah, what I guess, happened? I guess what it happened was, to me in that moment? Because real <laughs> kids can't talk and neither can she. It was painful <laughs> to watch. I was, like like I said, like the, the shivering, the COVID sweats, the sore throat, all spiked whenever she was on screen. <laughs> I will say I liked Kathleen Turner's emotion toward her. Mm-hmm. That almost made me believe that this yeah. was a real moment. Wow. Boy, was it not. Wow. Oh, my God. Wow. That's amazing. I bought <laughs> it. Did trash. you want to say no. something about Sophia? Yeah, me? What about you, Arthur? Or what was number two on your I list? Think, I think... You added it to your list, but I think you were just doing that to appease Teddy. Well, what, uh, what, the what, number two was the singing, the, the barbershop quartet. Yeah. And oh, I also, okay, yeah. I remember, let's get I'd also love, the... I'd also love to talk about the... Um, the initiation with gram- with grandpa. The, uh, the, ceremony. the ceremony. The ceremony. Of course, yeah. of course. We'll we have to bit. talk about the ceremony. But Don't even. Let's let's get but into let's get into this Acapella. Acapella, acapella is human history. Did, and- did we I I don't I'm not a good judge of good singing or not good singing. I don't have a good ear for it. So whenever people are singing, as long as it's not terrible, I'm like, that's great. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, mm-hmm. they're great. I thought it was so fun. Am I wrong? I want to test the waters here. I wonder why I love you like I do. Uh, what about you, Steen? I thought it sounded great. The um, acapella. I mean, I, I think it was it clear that fun. I thought it sounded tolerable. It was. It was like. It was like our tuneser said, where I was like, it wasn't offensively bad. So I was like, I think this is fine. I mean, but it's it also hard. like I see why the music agent is not jumping on his chance with Crazy Charlie. Right. They. They were not. Memorably bad, but they were not memorably good. Like they weren't. They weren't. Buddy just Holly four guys in a line singing from whom acapella. The movie takes its name. The Peggy Sue Got Married song. I. It was so hard to ignore the fact that this acapella group was comprised of Nick Cage, Jim, Jim Carrey. Carrey, and two guys. Yeah. <laughs> and also, just looking at Jim Carrey's IMDb as I was watching, the fact that he. I know he was on In Living Color for a few years after this. Mm-hmm. But even that, I don't think, was for about three or four years after this movie. How could any human being look at Jim Carrey, like, one of the biggest, loudest background performances of all time. Oh, my God. Like, he is just jumping off the screen. He's doing everything he will be doing in 1994, eight years earlier. It boggled my mind that he was not famous in the 80s 
based off this performance. Teddy, you're going to watch history repeat itself in yes. 10 years when I'm <laughs> when I'm bringing blockbusters summer yeah. comedies back. <laughs> yeah. Right. But, yes. Yes, Archie. Yes. But you're so he right. He was reminiscent of you as Rufus Thank- in Ghostbusters. Honestly, it was like, who is this man? Why am I watching him even though he's not talking? But no, you're, you're totally right because there's a scene, I remember this because I mean, it's also, we are looking at it a little bit with 2020 hindsight where we, we are, whenever he's on screen, we, you can't miss him. I don't know, I mm-hmm. I don't know if that's for sure the case in the 80s if you're looking for that, but we are definitely, our eyes are just like, that's Jim Carrey, so we're drawn to it. But it is, there's a classroom shot where everyone's just sitting together. There's probably eight people on screen at this point, and he's all the way in the last row, and he's he's like making faces, he's pulling them up, like, he's like doing everything in that scene. In the back yeah. classroom, just being like, oh, like his eyes are rolling into the back of his head and he's like looking at someone and he's like looking back. Like it is that classic Jim Carrey that we love. And it's, I don't, I, I, I think what I like about that, not that this is now becoming a Jim Carrey podcast, is that I would be nervous if there's eight people on screen, like pulling that much attention to myself. I'd be, but it seems like the kind of set where it's just like you can do whatever you want. The director is not going to talk to you right. or it anybody else about your performance. For sure. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it's like, no, Nick Nick Cage and Jim Carrey are together auditioning for Dumb and Dumber. Which in the year we, are, we, are, we are robbed of that movie. movie's big vid. We are yeah. robbed of that. that we are robbed of Nick Cage, Jim Carrey, Dumb and Dumber. And maybe that movie is not the sad meditation on aging that this movie is ostensibly trying to be. Like, it's just so bizarre. Well, Go ahead, I think Steve. I was thinking watching it, I was like, what if Jim Carrey and Nicolas Cage were switched in these parts? And Nicolas Cage could go all out being the character buddy side part and running around doing flips, whatever. And Jim Carrey, I think, I think maybe I'm too much rose-colored glasses at the past, but I think if he was not the nephew of the director, nervous to do a good job, wanting to have a good relationship with his co-star, he would still be able to bring all the comedic timing, all the silliness in the other parts of Crazy Charlie. Crazy Charlie is supposed to have a lot of goofy things. He has some really funny lines written into it that I think Nicolas Cage throws away with his goofy performance, the rest of it. And I think he would also work hard and deliver a more serious and more tone-matching performance in the scenes that require it. I think it would be right. a really cool, like different Truman, movie. Like Truman Show, Jim Carrey. Yes, is what you're looking for. yes, exactly. I'd like to see. I'd like. I to mean, see I that would. Experiment. I will. I would watch that movie. I would watch that movie, but I want to just go back. That I like Jim crazy. Jim Carrey Charlie in a romantic movies. relationship always feels weird, though. I guess Eternal. Sunshine. I mean, Eternal. Oh, Sunshine. I, lo- I love Eternal yeah, Sunshine. That. That's no, no, no. that's my thing. I'm I, like, I give me another. Him, I couldn't imagine him in a weird relationship. Then I was like, oh wait, he made one of like the defining movies. Of that. So <laughs> yes. I, t- I take yeah. that take back. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Which go maybe ahead, you too. just get one. Maybe yeah. maybe mm-hmm. Nicolas Cage just gets Birdie. That's his defining <laughs> relationship movie, and then Jim Carrey's like, just Eternal Sunshine for me. And well, let's roll around I'm, in the field. I'm glad you brought up Birdie minutes. because the studios wanted Birdie Nick Cage. They were like, you were great in Birdie. Yeah. We want we want that. I would too. I would too. And I they, would pay top dollar for Birdie they Nick They tried Cage. to they tried to fire Nick Cage. The producers actually yeah. uh, flew flew over to to fire him and I, and Big I'd Daddy Big plane. Daddy Francis I'd said, No, 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 no. It's gonna be fine. It's gonna be fine. Don't Uncle fire Magic. Uncle Magic. He said, Don't fire my nephew, it's gonna be fine. Uh, and he was able to not get fired. <laughs> Wow. It's so Hollywood. But it also feels like it's like, it feels like he was able to not get fired because uh, Coppola was like, I will deliver this movie on time. I don't, I don't know all the details of this, but what I saw just on Wikipedia was that they were doing 20 hour days, six days a week, filming this movie to crank it out and get it on time. So that sounds like an absolutely brutal set 
So that sounds like they showed up. They were like, we're going to fire him. And Francis was like, great. We've got three days to turn this movie in. So are you sure you have the budget to do that? And they were like, well. In some ways, the stress and strain of the production, in some ways, they kind of do benefit the final product. Because I think as much as I didn't, I didn't like the story. I didn't really... I didn't like that it didn't really figure out what to do with her and these three different guys. I kind of felt like if there was going to be a structure, because we haven't really talked about Barry Miller, who's this yes. nerd from the who oh, yeah. buys into her future theory, this burrito theory that's barely explained. He's he's the guy, or, no, Barry Miller? Is that, Barry Miller is yeah. Richard Norvick. Yes. Yeah, he's, Richard Norvick. He's from, um, he's, what's he from? He's from Fame. He's from Last Temptation of Christ. Yes. He's from Saturday Night Fever. I thought it was going to be that he had like invented a way to get her back to the past and he was also time traveling together, but it yeah. had nothing to do with but that. But it was like, I kind of wanted a structure that was like, these are the three guys, these are the three ways she could be. And yes. it's picking the three ways Peggy three Sue doors. got married. Yeah. Yes. Like, yeah. oh, the key in the oh, door. Yes. Oh my God. Wow. Three, three ways is better. But then it's like, it, so even though I didn't like so many of those elements, the story, Nick Cage's performance, against oh all odds, God. the emotion really does come through. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, Kath- that's and that's fair. a lot of that is Kathleen Turner, but yeah. just, uh, just the way she is throughout, like you are feeling the things she's feeling, and that's why this is ultimately not a bad movie by any means. It's yeah. a, maybe a failed experiment, but mm. worth <laughs> watching and pretty interesting. Um, I love that. I totally yeah. agree with that take. The final scene I want to talk Whatever about. Too. Uh, scene with the grandparents and the initiation or the ceremony um, because you have a really nice scene with the grandparents where you're reminiscing about what it would be like to be around people who are no longer there and I think it's one of the more touching scenes in the movie I also recently lost my grandmother this past year so I was like wow like this would be so this would be like it's it is that she picks up the phone and she has like she can't even answer when her grandma answers it and I think that's a great that's a great and I love that scene. scene too because it's one of the only times in movies where you can hear the grandma talking on the other line and coming through, <laughs> yeah. and she's actually being like, "What's going on?" Like, and she's like, oh, "I'll call you back." She's yeah. like, "Oh, I hope you're like, like it's very real because usually they're like you either don't hear them and they're just like very abruptly hanging up as if the other person isn't saying it's anything. It's grandma phone representation. It's so good. Yeah, it's grandma so phone good. representation. And because you wouldn't think of that if I went back to the past when I was in my forties, my first thing, my first nor my second, nor my third thought would be, wow, my grandparents are alive. I should go visit them. I'd be like... No, that, that would be my first. I would first, I would immediately be like, who's alive, who is dead? I, I, but it's just, I think a lot about like traveling around the past in different planes. Okay. Like I, all right, I have all right. watched. You're, you're, so you're time I'm more prepared than you. So I guess I'm killing be, Hitler yeah. all by myself. <laughs> that is fine. I'll do it. Whatever. Um, but then you go from that very nice scene yeah, with the grandparents in their home. Yeah. To he goes, well, wait, I feel like you're just being a little all over the place. Like, so she, she, he, yeah, she, the the grandma calls her. <laughs> it is, it is, it's true. But just to orient ourselves, so the grandma calls Kathleen. Kathleen can't even talk. She's crying. Later on in the movie, she's finally able to go visit her grandparents. She fesses up to them about being like from the future, whatever. And her grandpa's like, don't even worry about it. I'm in a club. And you're like, what's about to happen? <laughs> and then they. He goes, come to, what is it called? The Sea Lodge? The Seek Lodge? The... I thought it was... Like, I don't remember it happening. I forget. It was like one of those fraternal order of the moose yes, type things that were like, all the rage yeah. back then. Something that we go in. They're all in. Everyone's like, wearing not the KKK. ceremonial garb. <laughs> it's like definitely it's like goofy no. wizards. Purple robes. <laughs> yeah. Weird purple hats. Robes. You're suddenly like, what is yeah. happening? You are truly like, what yeah. movie am I in now? This is the only time I felt, I'm like, where are we? But What's it did be on? like that back then. And that... 
I guess I would have been fine with that if we had, like, hey, let's just establish the grandparents and the goofy wizard lodge, like, a little bit earlier. All I had to do is, I love, I love, I'm like, you don't have to establish stuff early. I love having weird things just come up at the end. But I'm more like, you can't not establish it earlier and also have it have no effect later. Yes. I think. (laughs) It can't just come out of nowhere and go nowhere. It was just, I guess... The screenwriters needed a way to have Peggy Sue think she was going to go back to the future so that Nick Cage could steal her in a pillowcase. And, and go, <laughs> yeah. we just end things that way. He, he, sa- he, he says, they were going to vaporize you. <laughs> <laughs> they were going to vaporize you. <laughs> <laughs> and I did think to and, myself. But then it ends, and what, I have this... Oh, yeah? I did think yeah. to myself they were going to vaporize her. <laughs> there was oh, yeah. nothing good was oh, going to come I, out I was, I was like, they're going to get her back. No I was like, no. they're going to travel her to the past. <laughs> um, but then I don't, I don't, how does it, then it ends, I just remember it like Nicolas Cage's underwear being a primary component of the ending. He's in those <laughs> white pants and you can see his underwear through the white pants. They're kissing. He's bending over in a hug. They're kissing. Oh, in the hospital, she's waking well, up. Yes. And the movie basically ends with her apologizing to him. Even doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. He's clearly the worst the whole time. <laughs> uh, that's yeah, this yeah, movie, yeah. it's that's I to me that's the most Hollywood thing about it is that they're like divorce shouldn't happen. Women, all you need is a good bonk on the head, and you'll remember to go back to your <laughs> well, husbands. And that's why it's the boomer <laughs> fantasy, right? Is it's like <laughs> boomers who are just like. They, I, I, and that must be where it came from. We'd have to look into like where Francis Ford and the creative people behind it were like in their marriages or whatever when this movie was made. But it really feels like this whole like, hey, it's the 80s. Like divorce has just been invented. And yes. all your friends There's are getting so divorced. There's so much anxiety Should about it. Should we get divorced too? And they're like, what yeah. if we could just go back to the 50s when families were perfect? Yeah. But I know yeah. they weren't perfect. So what's that all about? Yeah, and, I love that you say that too because yeah. the daughter at the beginning of the movie is saying to the mom, she has a line, she specifically says, you know, mom, lots of people are separated and divorced. Like, it's not a big deal. And I feel like that's very common with like children of divorce ended up being the advocates for the divorce being like, you know, it's fine. We're mm-hmm. all better off this way. But then maybe the people who are left holding on to the sour notes of the relationship or like the other Hollywood, I don't, I don't know, lots of things. Maybe I'm being too rude about divorces now, but... <laughs> feels like they're like it would be better if this was not happening i'm just I'm, I'm left with the feeling that peggy sue is going to keep having a trash life <laughs> yes you don't in no yes. way do i feel like her visit to oz is going to help her when she comes back to kansas <laughs> i'm like no kansas still sucks for you peggy sue got married <laughs> peggy sue All right. got well, married um, let's let's go ahead and jump into the last segment of our show, right? All right, why Devoted not? To our ever contentious <laughs> ratings. So we rate each movie out of ten cages to evaluate Mr. Cage's performance, and out of five stars to evaluate the overall movie. Um, Teddy, would you like to go first? Um, yeah, but I was looking over my notes to make sure I said everything I wanted to say. So oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going one to ten on movie and stars on uh, no. one to ten on Cage and stars on the movie. Yes, out of five. Um, Oof, this is definitely a three-star movie, exactly, um, mm. for me. I mean, I could see the argument for 2.5. Oh, my God. I cannot see the <laughs> argument for higher than three. It's so much cool and bad elements all thrown together that ultimately it's an average film for me. Oof, as far as Nick Cage goes, that's a toughie because there's... <laughs> what, okay, okay. Tell me if I'm not allowed to ask this question, but is it a rating of 
am I going one to like his most cagiest or one to ten best? It's your evaluation. I, it's my interpretation. It's your evaluation, but I will say to yeah. put my finger on the dial of I think it should be about his 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 artistic performance. Okay, it's, so I'm evaluating. Yeah, then I'm gonna give him a, a four. Nice. Out of ten. I agree with that. Cartoon, cool. do you want to go next? I'll go, yeah, I'll next? go next. I'm gonna give him. I think. Uh, because again, I want to reiterate, I enjoyed the voice. I enjoyed the choices. It's the type of acting I want to try and be a part of. So (laughs) to back myself up as well, I'm going to go for an eight out of 10 cages here. Um, I think, I think we've already seen better and I think I've rated him higher. Um, but it was certainly, we're also coming from the boy in blue. So I'm just like, thank God he's not doing a boring performance like that anymore. He's, He's really giving something here. It's amazing that Nick Cage can ever give a boring performance, but rent, rent the boy in blue, and I'll and yeah. you'll you'll believe it. I think <laughs> it, I else. I hope it's the last one that it's at least boring. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll give this. I will say you can go higher than three. I'm not gonna go crazy, but I think this is a three point five, uh, three point five out of five for me. Again, I would pick justify if it. I, justify it. What, justify? Why did you get it at that extra point five? Just to be different from Teddy? Or no, because you loved it more. No, no, no. It's just. I mean, I definitely loved it more than Teddy. Uh, but I, I. Yeah. I, if I'm looking at it like Back to the Future is a five-star movie, then I think this is a 3.5. I would always pick Back to the Future over this for my time travel movie, but... Of course. But, but that's not justifying the extra the point extra five. Point five? What? I think, well, for me, for me, I thought that... He liked Catholic, the doo-wop. I liked the doo-wop. I liked... I mean, there's so many elements that I liked about it. Um, I liked his performance. I All liked right. Jim it's Carrey. It's just personal. Liked, it's just personal. And I thought Kathleen I Turner was, was really, really good. Well, End of the day, he put the cinnamon in the cookies, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, is, that's that extra point five. He said that's a little a sprinkle of half half a scoop extra um, in there. I was, I actually, I was hitting you so hard about it because I was thinking three point five to be polite. But then when Teddy said like you can't justify above a three stars, I was like, it's so true. It's so oh true. God. So I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with the three star rating. I'm gonna give him three cages out of ten oh cages God. for. Being Team uh, Steen is a drug, and I'm an addict. <laughs> it's so fun to agree with you, Christina. Oh I don't know God. what road this will take me down in life, but I'm on the journey. Oh, my God. It's sometimes safe, sometimes dangerous. Um, but as we wind down, this is a great time to write a five-star review of this podcast. <laughs> I'm going to tell you about social media. You've heard it before. You love it. So just let the sound of my voice wash over you while you write that five-star review. Because now you know how we feel about the movie, and we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Question, and send any emails to cageoldquestionpod at gmail.com. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to this podcast. Teddy, would you please tell our listeners where they can find you to hear more of your thoughts on a regular basis? Um, I'm not, you know, the most active social media guy, but I guess, you know, my Instagram is Teddy Steinkellner. That's my name. Uh, my letterbox. Would you spell that for us real quickly? Uh, yeah, and it might even be in like the show notes. Yeah, yeah I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, Teddy, Teddy, T-E-D-D-Y. Okay, and then Steinkellner, <laughs> Steinkellner. Uh, and then... Um... <laughs> yeah, the part that nobody needs help spelling. <laughs> exactly. Well, it'll, no, be it'll be in the show notes. It'll be in the show notes. No, no, I'm going to be in the show notes. I'm right. But uh, my letterbox is showtime with underscores in between all the letters. But if, if I ever become famous, I have to delete that oh. anyway. I guess oh. I have. I have. So hop in now. I have the delete. I have the delete the button on good. every review I've ever done, ready to go as soon as I hit it big. Yeah, because there was there. So, I, then, check those um, out right away. Oh, go ahead. There was what? there was someone what? there was some like 
celebrity actress who like got cast in a movie. I want to say Margot Robbie immediately deleted. No, no, no. no. I know Margot oh, Robbie yeah, immediately burned. But that was she had the. But that was not even that was not even the one I'm talking about. There was someone who got cast. Oh. I want to say like in uh, one of the. Um, what's that Brie Larson superhero Captain Marvel Captain Marvel who was like Marvels. yes who was someone who was cast in like Captain Marvel 2 or the next one and like had bad reviews of like the first one or something that they found on Letterboxd and I was like that can never happen to me I've got to as soon as I'm auditioning for something that they're like it will never happen because you're so congenial on there that you're is very true. polite you're very me after yeah. seeing a friend in a bad show I, on Letterboxd. Hey, there yeah, my fear really is always liked. that they're going to find there are a lot me of really great be like, her, sh- if- his shrew wife said a lot of rude stuff. <laughs> oh. and I'm going to ruin your career for you. Sorry. <laughs> hey, Steen, I'm laughing so hard because that would never happen. That would never happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my um, God. No. But no, that, 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 no, we're not worried about that. Um, and then, no, if you just... Search my name if you're interested, in, I guess, in reading my books. Honestly, my book, Two Roads From Here, has some weird Peggy Sue Got Married vibes. It's definitely about the choices you make at the end of high school and how they impact the rest of your life. It's actually strikingly thematically <laughs> similar, uh, almost to an uncomfortable degree. But uh, if you search my name, you can find it on any place where you can get a book, the library, any book selling website. Go for it. Hell yeah. yeah. Little companion reading. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so for our next episode, we are watching the 1987 film Raising Arizona. Ooh. We hope you'll watch with us and listen in. Signing off, this is Christina with special guest. Teddy. And our two Nazareth. Asking you. The cage-old question. Can I steal the Declaration of Independence? I'd like to take his his face off. Oh, no, not the beard! A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L. I was a little drunk. Plus, I was horny.